Could you imagine that, where you're actually buying the property for hundreds of thousands of dollars less, but because you're structuring it that way, they're actually pocketing more. So it's not always how much you buy it for that makes the seller happy, it's how much they get to take home. And it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, Marco here. I really wanted to share with you our earlier podcasts that we created. Now, our mics were not the best, but the content was really strong, and I know you will learn a lot. We had an absolute blast recording this, and I know you're absolutely going to love it as much as we loved recording it. This extremely content-rich information will not only give you the edge in your real estate investing business, but in everyday life. Enjoy. All right, in this episode, we're going to talk about money, how to get money for deals, and how to tap into existing money sources that you might not even know are there. We're going to go over what most people do, what some people do, and what most people don't do, and how you can tap into pretty much unlimited resources when you have the skill, the tools, and the knowledge and the application uh, to be able to make this happen. So let's start with the obvious, going to banksters uh, for money, buying a property using uh, that method. Now, I've never bought a property using a bank, so I'm going to rely on you too because I don't think, <laughs> I've never done it. So We've done it. Uh, listen, talk I, to me, Goose. I, talk I, to me. I've done it. I'm like the 99.9% of the population. Me and my wife did it. We got married. We wanted to buy our own house with them. You know, it's, it's pretty creepy living with your parents or your parents-in-law with your wife there. There's only certain things you can do. But you mean well, certain, you there's mean certain, certain things people. you can't do. So like what? Explain. Uh, well, draw me a picture. Like you I know, got a crayon. Uh, cuddle and <laughs> read a book together. But <laughs> this is not that kind of show. Anyways, but we had to go to. We went to our bank. We went to our financial institution. So up in Canada, you know, you go to your Chase or you go to Bank of America, and you go there and say, "We want to buy a property." And they go, "Okay, great, Mr. Galucho, Mrs. Galucho. You know, how much money do you make? And what's your credit score?" And how much do you got down payment? I mean, how much money do you got for a down payment? So they give you a certain, based on that, all that information, they give you, say, okay, you can buy a house worth 800000 That's the max we're going to give you. And, and based on your job, too. I'm and based on your job. What kind of job do you have? Yeah. You know, what, how long you've been there? How long you've been there? Like, even if you're doing, if you have a great job and you're earning $100,000, mm-hmm. but you just started six months ago, they had they put in their little matrix crap mm-hmm. or whatever. Show me again how they do that? They okay. put in the matrix. Okay. You know, they, At like, the end of the types. day, they're assessing the risk. The risk factor for you. Well, they're telling you what you're pre-approved for. And, Based on their risk matrix. So then we know, okay, yeah. we got 700000 then we go shopping around looking for a property that's worth 700000 and that's Of course, it's do. facing north or south. Well, yes. I'm partic- no, they don't care which way the house is uh, situated, but I'm very particular <laughs> to get the sun on both sides in the backyard and the front yard of my house. But that's basically the, the bank and the ultimately they dictate what they're going to give you. The terms. Yes. They're going to give you the terms. They're going to say it's a 25 years or a 20. It's not even negotiable. This is the interest rate. And in Canada, it's it's even more terrible where because after three years, even if you get a 20-year amortization, after three, three years, five. you got to go back and say, well, now we got to renew it. And I'm like, well, all right. They renew it and then they take more money because there's more fees and they do another assessment. It's money they go, you still working. Yeah. If you're not working or you move to another job, they're going to say, well, now you're more risk. So they're going to add more interest to it. So it's just shit on top of shit. But ultimately, wow. 
99 it's not that kind of show frank well i know it's just it, that's it, fucked up leave that for frank after dark but, but <laughs> listen 99 of the population that's what they do that's the norm that's what we were taught to do but now there's also the credit risk the credit factor you use your credit score and that it's always a hit even to just even approve you you keep making your payments but your credit there's a hit on that just to see whether you're approved on the mortgage right so they like your credit check credit check on your wife Ask you for money, so you need to come up with cash. They have their meat hooks into you as far as their personal guarantee. So if you yeah. don't pay, they take all your shit. Correct. They foreclose on the house, and you're basically your credit is ruined for seven yeah. years. You take yeah. your house, your credit, your kids. Yeah. Well, yeah. the kids they can take, but well, I didn't yeah. have kids at the time when I got the mortgage. But your I think that, I think that's a liability for the bank, anyways. They wouldn't want the kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're not in the kid business kids. anymore. And that listen, means. that's the norm for most people. That's what they know. That's what they're for, and that's why these banks make two, three billion dollars each quarter because yeah. they feed on that. So that sounds familiar to you. Yep. And that's what most people think. You know, you go to the bank, they tell you what to do. You save up a whole ton of cash for a down payment and you get a loan. And again, the downside is you are only approved by what the bank tells you. So they're dictating what you can buy. There's also a limit to how many you can buy. Generally, it's five because they're going to take a look at what your risk factor is with that many mortgages and the kind of job that you have. Debt in this ratio. Exactly. So it's not how much money the properties make necessarily. It's based on what the risk is for you. They base it only on what your capacity is in terms of income. They don't base it on the asset itself. So these properties that you have, the four or five, actually most of them are limiting to four. So within the four, they look at what Frank and Linda can generate as a whole, as a household, as opposed to, well, hold on a sec. We have these four assets that have equity in it. Uh, maybe we should give it to Frank. That's not the way they think. It's but, like they want security on top of security. So that's why they want to make sure that you can support that service based on your income. And that's that's right. Your income and your debt ratio, if you will, limit you to those four. But yeah. there's also another limiting factor, which is how many times can you come up with a 25% down payment? Well, in right? Canada, well, I know in Ontario anyways, Ontario, not California, Ontario, but Ontario, Canada. <laughs> They have, it's called the stress test, and yep. they impose on this because... That's Canada-wide, by the way. Oh, it is Canada-wide? Okay, yeah. well, again, I live in my own little world and province, Bubble. but they have a stress test, and this is dictated by the federal government, by the way, so mm -hmm. if it is all Canada, and they say, well, you have to pass a stress test, and that stress test equates to how much you can put down as a down payment, and I think right now is you have to have at least 25% of a down payment, so if you're buying in Toronto, for instance where houses go well over a million, but let's just use a million dollars. If you don't have a quarter of a million dollars, Liquid it doesn't, yeah, your bank. you can't buy the house. So now the government is telling you, they're putting their hands in it, telling you not you can't buy it. Plus the, the stress test includes an a hike in interest rates. So they're going to take a look at a two-point hike in interest rates, two points, I believe. Yes. I, I could be wrong on this. But if the interest rate goes up considerably... Make sure it, you can afford it. And if you can't afford it, then you don't qualify. Yeah. So mm -hmm. they're basically just telling you what to do, how to buy it, and how much wealth that you can actually make. So it's a limitation, not just in Canada. In the U.S., this is very similar as well, where there's going to be a limit as to how many properties that you can buy, which limits how much money you can make. This way. The way that most people think it yes. should be done or is done. You know, that's unfortunate, but it's sort of the limiting factors and the limiting belief that people have when they get into, into real estate is you need money and you need credit, which... That model supports those fears, basically. Correct. You need some cash down, and then you need the right bank to finance you. Now, the advantage of using banks is very low interest rates. So when I'm buying a property, we're going to get into asset-based lending in a second, I'm paying double, maybe even triple the interest rates that a bank will give, but only for a short period of time. 
So before we get into asset-based lending, let's get into the second option, which is paying cash. I say cash, but it actually is cash, right? Mm -hmm. You're paying cash for a property. You save up a ton of money uh, from whatever you've been doing, collecting bottles, stamps, hiding your gold in the ground, whatever it is, selling your children, whatever you're into to make sure capital. (laughs) None of our business, but you have cash that's laying around or you've been saving up like gangbusters or you have a, a retirement fund or maybe you did well and have some cash laying around. Good for you. And you want to don't have any debt. You don't, you don't want debt. You just want to be able to pay the property and just write a check. No problem. The challenge with that is... Limitations. Well, there's two challenges with you that. You can run out of cash. Well, you're, you're going to run out of cash, and depending on how much cash you have, there's so many certain amount of properties you can buy, and you're not leveraging your cash. So, yeah, you may have that cash stashed away, but you can buy some can buy one, so it can buy three, four, five, six, but eventually you will run out, and you're not leveraging the cash that you have. So... Is it a great move for some? Yes, that's what they do. If that's what you want. I mean, if you want no yeah. debt, but then you're limited by the amount of cash you have laying yeah. around. Correct. So if you have a million dollars, it's great. You can buy up to a million dollars worth of property and then you're done. Mm-hmm. And then there's a next step to that where you can buy a million dollars worth of property, refinance the property, and then now you have less, which would be around 700000 if you yeah. if you do it retail. Because most people, most folks that buy property don't buy under wholesale. You buy retail which is a whole other conversation. But if you buy correctly, which is under wholesale, if you were a cash buyer and you bought under wholesale, when you refinance, they're refinancing up to the wholesale amount. So around 70% of the value of the asset, you can get all your money back and then go buy another one and then do it again and refinance Mm -hmm. and go back and forth. And you could do that an unlimited amount of times, but you would need cash up front in order to do that. So what I love about asset-based lending is we skip the part of paying cash first And we go straight into a lender that lends based purely on the value of the property up to 65, 70%. Some do 75 and some do 60, some do 50. Every lender has their own sort of box as to what they want to do. Some do mobile home parks, some don't do mobile home parks. Some only do hotels, some do storage unit facilities, and some do land. So every lender has sort of a different criteria and appetite for in a wheelhouse that they want to lend in. Yeah. And if you fit the right lender with the right property, then you're going to maximize those things. And most asset-based lenders are non-recourse. What does non-recourse mean? Non-recourse just means that if, for any reason, you default on payments and you can't make the payments anymore, and they they, they only take the property back. It doesn't hit your credit report. They don't come after you personally. They just take the property. No personal guarantees. We don't recommend that you miss payments because that's not how we do business. But if that happens, then the only risk is that you're going to lose the property. Look, most ACE asset-based lenders, they're in a very good position because they lend anywhere from 50 to 75% of the value of the property. And some of them actually salivate. And they want Gabriel to default because they're like, shit, there's a good payday for them. More than the interest they're going to make if you do make your payments. Mm -hmm. So because that equity, that LTV or the loan to value they're going to give you, whether it's 60%, that's 40% equity in there. That's not going to take into consideration any appreciation that may be going on. But And if you miss a payment, they're gladly to do a foreclosure. They're gladly to give you a non-recourse and say, screw Gabe. They make the least amount of money if you pay. (laughs) So they're hoping. So worst case scenario for them is that you are paying. That's right. Based on their terms. And yes, you are paying more interest than you would with a traditional financial institution. But again, they're only looking at the asset. They don't give a shit about you. They don't, like we just had one recently on a hotel, hospitality, Mm -hmm. for $3 million. And the lender came and they're giving us up to 65 or 70%. 
and they don't want any documents. I think they just have my first name and last name only by mistake because when I did the email, I have my name already pre-populated there. But other than that, they don't give a shit about They really me. don't. You they don't give a shit about you. I said, oh, well, we got, I got three partners, in, which are you guys, and like, we don't care. Where's the asset? What's the address? That's all they That's care. They just want this is what we're going to give you. Yeah. We're going to give you 65%. Here's the interest rate. Here's the term. Do you want it? Yes or no? And you could be an orangutan and still and still yeah, qualify. So. You could yeah. be a, a docile orangutan, which is shops which at is, Costco, which is cool because we have one in the group. Yes. <laughs> Why an orangutan? Is it, uh, I don't know. And just the word that the word of the likes day. Likes the flat yeah. tail. Yeah. yeah. I, I just orangutan. Yeah. Yeah. I, I dated one in high school. And, uh, <laughs> so you could be an orangutan. Nameless and they with no credit, the and no credit from Canada, and still do this. Well, this is the, well, okay for for those listening because we're all foreign nationals, and and that's another obstacle that some may encounter Foresee, when, yeah. when buying properties in the U.S. is like, well, I don't, have, I'm, I don't have a U.S. credit, and this that you don't need it because you're not going to the financial institution, you're not going to that traditional avenue or method. So these asset-based lenders, again, they don't care what color you are if you're a orangutan. Or a kangaroo, or an armadillo. See the if, difference. If you speak English or not, again, they don't. It, they, they want the asset. They, they want the asset. It's like, exactly. it's, it's like going to a pawn I was just gonna say that's the difference between a bank will lend you money to buy an asset, but they really don't want the asset at the end of the day, which is why they hold you personally. They get your credit. They have all their meat hooks into you. The asset-based lenders actually are okay with taking back the property. In fact, like Frank was saying, they salivate at the idea of you defaulting and getting a property at 65 or 70% of its value. And that's why they don't care about anything else. They don't, because if they're making, let's say, $10,000 a month by lending you the money, if they took it back, they'd make $15,000 a month because there's an extra 50% equity there, or they're making now the entire amount of the net versus just the mortgage part. They're getting your portion by taking it back. So please default. Do us a favor and default mm -hmm. and then go find us another one. So it doesn't really affect you whatsoever. So that's the upside. The downside, uh, well, first, the upside is that you can buy pretty much anything. There's an unlimited amount of money to be had and you can buy as many as you want. Right. Uh, the down and With no personal, with no risk. personal risk or yes. personal guarantees. And uh, it's basically an open checkbook as long as you buy it correctly. And I want to underline that you have to buy it correctly because if you were to buy it retail and they're going to give you still the same, uh, let's say seven hundred thousand on a million dollar property, if you bought it for nine hundred thousand, you still have to come up with the two hundred thousand. They don't care what you bought it for as long as you don't pull money out or a lot of money out. You can pay for your closing costs and, and any fees within reason to close it. But if you are overpaying, that's not their problem. It's your money. They don't give a shit as long as they're lending and they're in a first position mortgage. Or they can take it back if you don't pay. They really don't care what you have or not have into it. So the key is to buy it correctly. Because making money in real estate, the key is buy it right. Don't speculate. Don't buy on future value. Don't do pro forma, this favorite word. And you know, just, just buy it right. So we've talked about, and again, a bank is credit-based versus uh, asset-based. And the downside of a, an asset-based loan is the interest rate, where you have to pay 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, even 12. Now, would I pay 12% on a, a property that I live in? Never, because that's 12% out the window. It's very high interest. It'll kill, it'll crush anyone that's living there because debt is a dead debt. It's, it's money I have to work for or someone else has to work for in order to pay it with no income coming in. So zero chance. My personal residence, I want the lowest possible interest rate. So I'm not having to work hard in order to, right. to yeah. live somewhere. It's a liability. Yeah. It is. But 
if I'm making a 17% return and I'm paying 11%, that's a 6% spread on an 11%, which means I'm being paid to buy it. That's right. Yeah. And then I can refinance at a much lower rate once I've established credit, once I have credibility, once I have a track record, then and stabilize and improve the income. I can actually then pull even money out when I do a refinance and, and make money on the purchase and still benefit from a much lower interest rate later on. So those are the top three kind of sort of ways, but how we buy property even more than those three There's more creative ways is actually taking over debt. Mm-hmm. And taking over debt is something that most people aren't even aware of and how to do. Or think they can't do it. Because they, there's a due on sale clause, which was introduced after the 80s when people were used to, when the prime rate was at like 18%. Double digits, yeah. People didn't want to get a new mortgage. If, if there's a 9% mortgage on the property and they get a new mortgage at 18, why pay off a 9% yeah, a nine percent <laughs> mortgage with an 18% one? Doesn't make sense. So then they started swapping equity. And banks make most of their money on the first trimester of a property, right? Of a mortgage, yes. They know that the amortization schedules are created by banks because most people sell their property within the first seven, eight years. They don't stay there for most people don't stay most, there the whole. Yeah. Most, most. So they know that if they can get as much interest front end as possible within the first trimester, when you do sell your house, guess what? You hardly paid any of it off. You paid the banks first. That's right. So a good move on the bank's part, that's why they're making what a billion a quarter. Well, yeah. more. Yeah. The first trimester, you're paying two-thirds on interest, one-third on the principal. If then that, when you move yeah. over to the second trimester, if you stay long enough in your house, half you're half. paying half and half. And then the third trimester, it's reversed. You're paying one-third of interest, and you're paying two-thirds of principal at that time. So back then, the banks were getting, not, not greedy, but they realized what people were doing back in the 80s. Hey, it's a business. So when I, when Gabe was selling a house to Marco, and he would have an existing mortgage, he goes, you know what, just take my mortgage over. And Marco's like, shit, okay, because he's in the, the second trimester or the <clears> third <throat> trimester. The banks didn't like it. They're like, well, fuck that shit. We're stopping this shit. And they came up with new legislation, said, no, you can't assume. But you can assume, and you can't take over debt. It's like a lost art. Uh, it's like calligraphy. All right? mm-hmm. No one writes no more, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So those that know how to take over debt, know how to do it and know how to do it properly. In fact, it's actually a line item on the HUD-1. Mm-hmm. If you, those of you who know what a HUD-1 is, it's just basically an overview or a rap sheet closing of a closing statement saying, here's what you're buying it for, here's what the seller's paying, here's what the buyer's getting, this and that. And there's an actual line item that says existing debt. Taking over existing debt. Uh, people just, they don't, they miss it because they don't know about it. And it's been there before and it's been used before and it's still being used today by many that know. So you can do it, you just have to know how to do yeah. it. And most agents have no idea how to do it either. Some lawyers and have no idea. Most how to lawyers do it. don't know how to do it. And a lot of closing agents don't know how to do it because they only do what's traditional, what they're used to doing. So the more you know, the more you learn, the more you earn. And knowing this stuff is important. Even if there's a due on sale clause, you can take over debt. Even if the bank says there's zero chance you're ever going to take over this debt, we can still do it morally, legally, and ethically. Yep. It's just knowing how to do that. And the debt's already there. You don't need to find the money. The money's already being borrowed. The bank is already receiving payments for that amount. So if you're buying a property and just taking over debt, which I've done many, many, many times. In fact, the house I'm moving in right now is a takeover debt situation. I give the seller just a little bit of money. I'm talking like just a few shekels, like nothing, almost nothing. And I just took, started making the payments because he didn't want to do that anymore. I have mobile home park in North Carolina where the doctor was tired of dealing with Jerry Springer tenants. He thought he would get into the real estate business and bought a mobile home park because he heard it made a lot of money and he couldn't handle the tenants and the drama with it. He says, I got to get out of here. 
and the property was in such terrible repair. I said, I'm not buying this unless I'm not taking over your debt unless you pay me. And he says, how much of a check do I need to write to get this out of my life? I'm like, 60 grand. I said, I can't do 60. Would you take 40? I'm like, okay. So I got <laughs> so, paid 40 grand to take over the debt. So time out on that. So you're buying. So again, this is like 1% of the people know this even in happened. So basically the seller sold you their property and paid you to take it. So, yes, you take money it. so basically what essence, what Marco did is he's basically buying that seller's problems. So yeah. give me your problems. I'll take the bricks off your shoulders, but I want $40,000. And the guy well, said, I'm being Gladly, paid. I'm being paid. I'm being paid to take over his problem. Mm -hmm. Cause remember he's a doctor. So he probably, he was probably losing money each month, losing sleep time. And, and his, and his wife was like, yeah, get this out of our lives or I'm out. And this so, is where you realize that money isn't really worth much. At the end of the day, especially when, if you have problems, stress, time, all those things that everyone has to a certain extent. Now, to be honest to with be you, I would have held up for 50000 but <laughs> I'm like, he, as yeah. the, the Galucho way. Nice. Yeah, I would have held up for 50000 nice. But what's it worth to him? Like, the thing, he, you took over his bag of bricks yep. and, and other yours. But that's, again, taking over debt is it's one, one creative method. And then there's other more that Order we financing. Use. Or financing, wraparound mortgages, you know, variations of that. There's so many tools and there's probably 25, 30 ways, lease options, wraparounds. And you got contract for deeds where a seller, he's tired of, and there's many scenarios like that where the seller says, you know what, I'm done with the investment, with the real estate. I just want to hang on my hat and go to Florida or whatever, just retire. So they want to sell their investment property that's, that's producing income. But at the same time, they're like, you know what, shit, what am I going to do with money in the bank? The bank doesn't give you shit with for it. So sometimes they're willing to do owner financing or do a wrap and say, you know what, I'll sell you the contract property or a contract for deed says, I'll sell it to you on the contract for deed for three, five years or eight years. You're basically just postponing the close date. And at the same time, they're making some scratch on their money. And, that and, deferring, taxes. and deferring taxes, yeah. which yeah. is the, the only reason I would do a, a contract for deed is to help the seller out with their tax uh, situation. With their capital gains, yeah. You're, you're deferring their capital gains. So, And again, this might sound really confusing, like how the hell do you all know this stuff? It doesn't really take long to learn it, but once you learn it, you can't unlearn it. Yeah. And you realize that buying property the old way is actually the worst way. Buying property creatively, once you know how, is, the is, only pretty, way. is the only way. <laughs> but I want to sort of do a word of caution that most people, when they learn how to do creative things, they go to that first, which is a huge mistake. If I'm coming to you as a seller and I say, hey, and by the way, let's say I have no money, uh, I'm about to lose my house to foreclosure, and I'm about to get divorced because you know I'm super stressed financially, and now I want to get into the real estate business, and I go, hi, uh, my name is Marco, I'm, financial, I'm broke, and I'm acting broke right now, and I would love to buy your house, but I would need you to owner finance me. What do you think the seller's going to say? Fuck you. Why would they give you an asset if you're broke? So you can't act broke going into this. You have to understand posturing and how to and position yourself as a cash buyer first. And then through the magic of the impasse, which is a whole other video series where you create these wonderful opportunities when you get to a no, when you're unable to buy cash because the numbers don't work, you can flip into some really great opportunities, owner financing, better take backs. You can uh, do master leases. Master yeah. leases, yeah. lease options. Um, Basically, the creative way is the solution to not being able to buy a property at a certain price. You know what? When, when I first started, like many, they just start without knowing. And, and knowledge is power. The more knowledge you have, you don't know what you don't know. That That's what it is. But having these tools in your toolbox and buying a different way, like it was an eye opener for me. I was like, holy shit, how many ways you can, I want to use skin the cat in case there's animal lovers out there, but 
there's a, a lot of ways to purchase or acquire a property. And right off the bat, I think we just named seven and there's more. And there's like a lot. And there's more. And, but people, 99% of the population, know one way, which is I want this house. Mm-hmm. You go to the bank, you pay them that money and that's it. Or you don't go to the bank and you have the cash. Here's the cash for that product or for that asset. And that's what people know, sadly, is those yeah. two methods. Like you said, you don't know. Pay with your own cash or use the bank's financial institution. But there's existing debt that's there. There's creating debt with the seller taking back. Like, there's so many things that you can do. And it's a matter of getting educated and the processes and having fun with it. And anyone can learn this. My background is not in negotiation. If you've listened to past podcasts or editions of this, you know where I came from. Very, very shy. You came from a very shy space as well. Correct. Frank's always been a I wasn't uh, shy. Yeah, he was, he's always been. The, we wish he was shy. Yeah, yeah, the loose cannon, but which is great. I had to work on myself in order to get to where I am now. And I'm always trying to learn new things, new techniques, new ways, new strategies to improve. And once I learn those things, I can bring that to my tribe and my people and have them add that to their bucket of tricks to be able to buy and help a seller get out of their situation. There's no better feeling than talking to a seller and they know they're going to have a huge tax implication when they're selling and then coming up with a solution where you're actually paying less, but they're pocketing more. Could you imagine that where you're actually buying the property for hundreds of thousands of dollars less, but because you're structuring it that way, they're actually pocketing more. So it's not always how much you buy it for that makes the seller happy. It's how much they get to take home. And it's not how much money you make, it's how much money you keep, right? It's when all the dust settles, what is the seller walking away with? And that's what they care their bottom line is. Yes, and how quickly. Yeah, I've heard the joke. Specifically, when someone's getting divorced, why is divorce expensive? Because it's worth it, right? So (laughs) it's... Yeah, (laughs) And it's the thing, it's worth getting something out of your life that you just don't want anymore. And you're willing to do things that most people didn't think could be done. So this was a quick brushstroke on the different ways and the opportunities that are out there. I hope this was helpful. And I look forward to seeing you in the very next episode. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to GetDealsByTuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm